Welcome to Episode 8 of The Drift, a Starfinder podcast, which is presented by NerdsOnEarth.com. This week, we are joined by Thurston Hillman, developer for the Starfinder Society role-playing guild, and we talk about organized play and what Paizo will have ready at launch. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Drift, and today I am very honored to be joined by uh, Thurston Hillman, who is the Starfinder Society developer. Hello, Thurston. Hi, everyone. So we are really grateful that you are coming on today because one of the questions when we sort of have polled our audience and asked for, what do you want more information about? Uh, Starfinder Society definitely keeps popping up. So I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. But before we start that, let's hear your nerd origin story. Uh, How did you get started in and uh, all things nerd, but especially in uh, tabletop role-playing games. Oh, man. Uh, well, when I was, like, very, very young, like, you know, before 10 years old, uh, my grandpa was into all sorts of nerdy stuff. And so I kind of picked that up from him. Uh, that ended up just sort of spiraling into tabletop uh, nerd things. And I think uh, the first like games I really picked up was second edition D&D. I really got into that, especially kind of the, the junior high era. Uh, that's when I jumped in. I started off with uh, like second edition Ravenloft. That was a that was a big inspiration for me. I ran so many campaigns of that. Uh, and then, I, you know, I also started off with miniature games before I was really into D&D. I got into Battletech. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So I remember a friend of mine, uh, one of my first real like gaming experiences was a friend of mine. We were in Air Cadets of all things together, and he was part of a Battletech group. And they met in the dingy basement of the local game store, and he invited me out, and I showed up, and that was kind of the start of my love for uh, tabletop miniature games as well. So... So that was sort of how I got involved overall with the uh, like tabletop and RPG hobby, really. That's pretty cool. So you definitely have a go back a ways if you're second edition D and D. Yeah, not as not as far back as a lot of people in this industry. Uh, so it's, so it's weird to hear that. Normally, I'm the person who's like, oh, well, I was the red box, and we started off with that, and I that was that was still not my time. I was yeah, I was second ed AD and D, um, the old kind of black-bordered uh, player's handbook. DM's yeah, yeah. Guide. yeah that, that's where I started. Awesome. So how did you go from this being a thing that you were enthusiastic about to now, you, you know, obviously you're working with Paizo and, and being involved in that level? So I, well, it's, as I said, I kind of started off with second edition, and I was one of those people who, when third edition was announced, I, I stamped my foot and said, oh, there's no way I'm ever going to switch to third edition, second edition <laughs> for life. And uh, that lasted all of three minutes before we picked up the books and were like, oh, this is pretty cool. Um, and I ended up kind of going on through third edition, and we got to... Uh, the end of 3.5, just kind of before Pathfinder had really taken off uh, or like been announced, the beta wasn't even out yet. And I ended up running one last kind of kick at the cat campaign for it uh, called War of the Burning Sky. That was done by EN World, uh, EN Publishing, their branch. It's okay. the big adventure path. And I, I did that and... It was sort of, you know, the one to 20 epic campaign with me and my friends. And at the end of that, it 
turned out that they were taking some submissions for like, oh, we write like a little bonus scenario as part of this campaign. So I wrote this little bonus thing, kind of throwaway, didn't think it would go anywhere. And EN World contacted me back and they're like, oh yeah, we'd love to like include this in our compilation. So, so that was my first sort of kick at the cat for uh, like writing in the game industry. And after that, I, I got a little bit more confident and uh, Paizo had an open call back in the first season of Pathfinder Society. And this is where I have like a really, really bad, I, I suppose, like admission. But <laughs> I, I, I didn't know anything about organized play. Uh, but they had this open call to write for it. So I decided I would try to write for it. And I submitted for the open call. And I got this fantastically worded rejection email uh, <laughs> that said... It basically was along the lines of, well, you know how the English language works, but you have no idea how organized play works. Uh, P.S. Don't write an adventure in organized play that has a rust monster or the players will kill you. Um, <laughs> so so but but the person at the time, it was Josh Frost, who was in charge of Paizo's work play. He also came back and said, but but like you really got a good understanding of English and like you're you're your writing is solid. So make all of these changes and then we'll see where we go. So me being stubborn as I am, I did a whole bunch of changes, sent it back and didn't get a reply for months and months and months. Uh, I was actually in the United Arab Emirates. I was working in IT at the time when I got an email back saying, okay, I've seen your revised uh, outline. We'd like to contract you to write this scenario. Oh. And that was kind of where it started. So that's that's pretty incredible that uh that a you just sort of sort of send it in open call and then took the time to keep making it better revising it. Well, that's one of the the key pieces of feedback I have for anyone who wants to to get into game writing or writing in the RPG industry is you have to be able to take feedback uh, and 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 be able to incorporate it. There's 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 sort of two groups of people. There's people who can take that feedback and immediately say, okay, understood, run with it, fix any changes. Or those people who say, no, this is my vision and I will never change it. And of those two groups, generally the people who are willing to take the feedback end up going further. Just because this is entirely an industry that's about building on ideas. Um, you don't want to get stuck with just one idea. I mean, that that's my job as a developer now is to take what other people have sent in and really improve upon it and, you know, fix it up, polish it. Uh, but it, it's an iterative process. Yeah. And that collaboration of going back and forth to make it better. I think that's a, a huge thing, even um, even for so, so like people doing a homebrew campaign. Uh, if you're the DM, like take time to to hear what your players say. You know, take time to sort of get feedback. I, I'm running a game right now. And one of the things that I'm uh, spots I'm at is just sort of saying, hey, so what did you guys like or not like? And it's been really interesting to uh, to gather that feedback and think about, OK, so how do we keep making our our weekly game that much better? Exactly. And and so it, it, it's very much like that for what I do, which is working with freelance authors now. But. Uh, sort of going back to, to that, how I got to Paizo, uh, I started off as, as a freelance um, a freelance writer just with PFS, really. Um, 
And it was about another two years before I got another offer. That was when uh, Mark Moreland started up as the kind of PFS developer. And he sent me an email out of the blue saying, hey, your stereo is getting some good reviews. Would you like to write another one for us? And so I did. And that was actually my first Gen Con, which was six or seven years ago now. Oh, boy. Um <laughs> and I met Mark there, and after that, uh, I ended up writing sort of a, a special one-off uh, exclusive event for PaizoCon that year, which was also my first PaizoCon. Uh, and then it sort of kept kept going. I did a lot of stuff with Organized Play. Um, it's it's actually bad. I can't quite say off the top of my head how, many, how much I've written for Organized Play as a freelancer, Um but I did a special, one of the the big interactives that happens at Gen Con. I did that, uh, Siege of the Diamond City, which was sort of the, the big Year of the Demon uh, kickoff. And uh. I, so I, I went through a whole bunch of that. And then after, all, after well, yeah, a bunch of org play stuff, I ended up doing writing for the, uh, the other Pathfinder lines at the time. Uh, so I've been in pretty much everything but the novels I've written for now. Okay, <laughs> and uh, and and the comics. Uh, I should I should correct myself. Uh, and then yeah, I I kept going on uh, about two years ago. It was actually really weird. I I got asked to write uh, an adventure path, so I wrote for Hell's Vengeance, the adventure path. I wrote the second adventure. That was my first foray into the APs, and okay. I finished writing that. I was on top of the world. It was great. Uh, and then that summer, I got laid off from my IT job. <laughs> Uh, uh, and I was kind of like, well, you know, I've got a lot of money saved up and I got good severance cause it was an IT job. And my girlfriend, uh, she said, well, you should just do some freelance for a while. Like you don't have to rush into a new job, do some freelance. So it turns out that just do a little freelance turned into about a year and a half of me doing full-time freelance in the RPG industry, mo- mostly for Paizo, but for a bunch of other third-party companies. And then... That Gen Con, about a year after I was laid off, uh, Eric Mona pulled me aside and said, hey, we're going to do this Starfinder Society thing for this Starfinder game we just announced, and we probably need someone to head that up and do development on it. How would you be interested in that? Uh, (laughs) And then about, that was in August of that year, and then, yeah, by February of this year, I was brought on to the team. So. so that's uh that's really awesome to think about that uh you just sort of have steadily built a career by uh just continuing to write do great things and that it, it's come back around to to where you're at now i am so organized play is one of those things that if if you've been around role-playing games you you definitely sort of understand the idea and paizo obviously makes a, a pretty solid investment in their games in that way like why do you think organized play is so important um for role-playing games? For, for a lot of reasons, really. Uh, there are so many people out there who walk into a game store, and this is the these are the people who they're interested in role-playing games, but maybe they don't have the immediate group of friends to play like to play with right off the bat. I, I was lucky in that when I started, I got a group of people in high school and we kind of kept going from there. But I know a lot of people who they're interested in role-playing games and they can't get four or five other people in their immediate social circle to game with. And so organized play 
is the idea that you can go to a game store and that on certain nights they run or organized play, which is you show up with a character and you can play that character at a group at a table with any any players, any GMs. And you can take that character yeah. anywhere in the world. Uh, and go to conventions, go to places like Gen Con and play that character. And that is so useful for people who don't have that that group of friends to to game with on a weekly basis. I I often look at org play uh, from from the perspective of if you're wanting to run an adventure path, org play is a great way to find the players and the GM that you want to do that with. Uh, that's a, that's an interesting idea, right? Kind of use use that as a, a testing ground, find the right people, and then you can kind of take a a deeper dive into an AP if you wanted to. Absolutely, and I, I'm not saying that's the only that, that that's the the best way to do it, but that that's what I found really works for me because I, I love org play. I love running sort of those one off scenarios uh, that are you know part of a part of a cohesive story and and what we call the meta plot internally, which is sort of that season arc or overall story for the campaign. But if you're looking for something that maybe doesn't have as many restrictions or you, you can do some crazy things in it. Then yeah, the, the home play and being able to take players from that you've played with with in org play and go to those home games is also great. And you know, it's it's logical stepping stones. And at, at Paizo, that's certainly what we want to see too. Is you know, encouraging people to play those adventure paths and and not just be doing uh, org play. Yeah, to to go to that next level, I I, uh, I think that that's um, a great entry, like you said, to, into gaming if you. If you're new to it, it's a great for, sort of first step. Also, um, I uh, I work in a job where I know a fair number of people that travel, and at least one of them, um, wherever he's going to be in a given week, he sort of looks up if there's games <laughs> and, and goes and jumps in. So, uh, you know, he's probably played in 10 different cities this year. But uh, I think that's a, a really cool idea as well to uh, to always be able to kind of plug in. And like you said, conventions, you know, to, to take characters there. So, uh so organized play in general is a great thing. And if, if you're listening for some reason, you've never been able to find a game to jump in, um, then it sounds like Starfinder Society is definitely going to be a great place to kind of uh, to pop in and uh, to try out this new game. So so let's talk a little bit about Starfinder. So you get approached by uh, the publisher at Paizo and say, hey, we're going to do this. Would you be willing to help us out and uh, and lead the uh, the organized play for for Starfinder Society, um, what did, drew you to that? Other than uh, it was a great opportunity, uh, what makes you excited about the ideas behind Starfinder? I I've always been a sci-fi fan, um, science fantasy as well. I mean that that has always been sort of my my preferred game. Uh, at the time, I was actually running a, a Dark Heresy campaign for uh, Warhammer 40k, so I was okay. all in on. Um, like just just science fiction at the time, and yeah, uh, I I've worked tons with the org play team. Uh, you know, years before I was I was hired, say like two years at least before I was hired. I you know good friends with the uh, lead developer John Compton. Uh, I knew Tanya Woldridge, the the org play coordinator from before she was even the org play coordinator from when she was a venture officer. Uh, Linda Zayas Palmer, who's sort of uh, heading up the, the Pathfinder side of of the org play now. Uh, her and I have known each other, yeah, for gosh, at least 
two, three years now, and you know, we, we chat every every few days. And so it was a team I wanted to be involved with too. Uh, yeah. And making sure that I was coming into something where I would feel comfortable because I'm kind of in a, a unique position at Paizo and that I'm I'm one of a few people at Paizo who's not actually working out of the office. Um, ah, so you're you're a remote worker, not in the, uh, the Seattle office then. Exactly. I, uh, I actually am from Canada, so I'm out of uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba, uh, up in Canada. So okay. I, I do a lot of remote meetings, but it really hasn't had a huge impact on the business side because John and I and Linda and Tanya, we've, we've all known each other for so long and have had open lanes of communication already. So uh, that was a big big draw for me was, was having a really solid team to work with. Not to mention the, the rest of the staff at Paizo, who many of them have been my friends for, oh gosh, five plus years now. Yeah, that's a, that's really a, a cool, cool idea of being able to, to, to work in a place where you already know a lot of people and already obviously are passionate about the same things. Mm-hmm. And for Starfinder, it was, it was a case of once I started hearing about the setting, um, PaizoCon last year, I ended up getting sat down with James uh, with James Sutter after they just done the Starfinder announcement, and was, was Sutter started spewing out all of the the crazy ideas that they had for Starfinder, <laughs> and he started saying some like hitting hitting some buttons that really hit home with me. You know, talking about some stuff that he you know like oh we're going to have a mix of this theme and this theme and and some of those comments and just ideas in general really appealed to me. I've been a Pathfinder fan for years since, you know, Rise of the Rune Lords came out and they, they started creating their own setting at Paizo. Uh, so to, to kind of be on the ground floor with something new was just really appealing. Yeah. It, it's gotta be exciting to, to see it from the very earliest stages and then, uh, to walk through that. So, so as they're developing, uh, the game, how much did you get to play test? What, uh, what kind of things were you able to to see in the development process? So I actually was brought in um, while the book was still being written. So I got actually to contribute to to the book itself, the the core book. I did a lot of the the environment section of the book, um, which which went through some changes, obviously. But I was sort of initially pulled into, hey, can you take the environment stuff? that we have in Pathfinder and port it over to this new system we have uh, just to sort of bring me up to speed on the rules. So I I really started with that. Um, Again, not being in the office, I wasn't as involved with some of the the play tests, but working with John, uh, one of the things we did, which was a bit different from the the Starfinder design team or or the Star Chamber as they're called, John and I were looking at things from an org play perspective because organized play really has a lot of differences from, you know, a home game. And so we would go through that rule book uh, kind of with a fine tooth comb to look at, OK, if if this this core rule might be problematic for org play. And we had a lot of really good back and forth with the, the Starfinder design team, making sure that really this is a game where organized play didn't have to uh ban much or change much of the core mechanics yeah which is different in some cases and some other kind of environments and scenarios where you do wind up having to tweak things based on what what you need to sort of have a successful organized play game so uh so as you are, are doing that development process um 
how how quickly did you start to get an idea of what um so organized play tends to work almost in what people call seasons how, how did you get uh how quickly did you stumble into what you would say is the the arc for season one uh so we we started off with focusing a lot on the rules just to, to bring us up to speed but one thing when I came onto the team that I really pushed for um, was to make sure that we were working with the core Starfinder team. Again, James Sutter, Owen Casey Stevens, Rob McCreary, Amanda Hammond-Coons, Jason Keeley. We wanted to make sure we were working with them that what we were doing was going to fit in the same universe. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times with, with Pathfinder Society, there, there's sort of some, some hit and miss on like, when Pathfinder Society is considered, you know, canon in the um, in in the Pathfinder world, and we're really aiming because they're because the releases for Starfinder aren't going to be as much as Pathfinder has right now. We really want the Pathfinder or Starfinder Society to be a big vector for getting information out. So on that that kind of kind of coming around full circle the idea was was that we brought in uh james sutter we brought in eric mona even into some of our earliest meetings about like what do we want to do for season one mm -hmm. uh, and what do we want the storylines to look like and how do we want things to work together and it, it was it was an interesting process because john and i would back and forth spew pitches at each other we'd come up with something we'd really like we'd go to to james sutter and eric mona they would come back with with information and it was really this this collaborative process where we we iterated a lot and so that happened very early in the process i remember within weeks of me coming on we were having you know basically all hands meetings of the org play team and a lot of the uh key stakeholders in Starfinder sitting down and saying, okay, how's the Starfinder society going to be different than the Pathfinder society? And that just kept building off itself. Um, and we had James Sutter really going through any of our outlines and saying, okay, this works. Oh, this thing we might do in the future. So let's build on it in this direction. So for the first season, it was really this, this team effort that I think gelled about, a month to two months after after I got started, we had the the idea of what season one was going to look like. And can you talk some about what what players can anticipate in those seasons? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so as we announced at PaizoCon, uh, the first season of Starfinder Society is called the Year of uh, Year of the Scoured Stars, which is based around uh, an incident that happened very recently, the, the Scoured Stars incident. And the idea behind this is the Starfinder Society works a bit differently than the Pathfinder Society. They have an elected leader uh, who is called the First Seeker. And this elected leader is, is voted into power. And all of these people who try to become the First Seeker, they, they get elected on a platform. And that platform might be I want to destroy all these hostile bugs in Quadrant Z, or I want to explore this unexplored place in Quadrant X. And so the First Seeker then gets to sort of direct which way the, the Starfinder Society goes, which was really appealing to, to the org play team because it gave us this awesome vector for deciding how our seasons were going to go. Yeah, absolutely. Because we could we could just have this new leader of the of the society who could switch the direction, and it became more of a natural flow 
rather than, oh, the year is the year is over, quick, everything's sort of changed. This gave us a, a logical reason why that would happen uh, every year or so. And so um, when we start uh, season one, the, the year of the Scoured Stars, we are in this unique situation where the last first seeker went to this, uh, went to explore this system of space called the Scoured Stars. And this is kind of a there be monsters here star system. <laughs> and the Starfinder Society backed this guy uh, and they sent about 80% of their resources there. So 80% of their ships, 80% of their agents. The way John and I like to describe it uh, to really, really get a rise out of the player base is if you've ever been to Gen Con and you've seen one of those multi-table interactives with, you know, a hundred plus tables of, of Pathfinders playing a game. Uh, so for the start of our Starfinder season, we start in the aftermath of one of those big specials, but if the players lost. <laughs> I got it. So, uh, so yeah, definitely a, uh, a, a ragtag crew of people that are left. And Well, and Eric Mona, to his credit, really helped us uh, solidify some of this idea because one thing he mentioned, Eric's got a lot of, history in, in the industry, obviously. One thing that came up in the meetings was we were talking about doing this incident, and Eric said, you know, there have been so many disasters in role-playing game history that, like, you're starting up 10 years after the disaster or 50 years after the disaster. Why don't we just do it right after? Like, we're talking weeks. Yeah. So with, with what we're doing with Starfinder Society is this is weeks, maybe a few months old that this incident happened. And our first season is going to be about not only rebuilding the Starfinder Society after it took this, this severe beating, but also figuring out what happened. And that just gave us such a good, such a good story uh, reason for players to be invested. Because if we had the Starfinder Society being this organization that, you know, in setting has existed already for 300 plus years, then we had this awkward situation of players getting to the table and being like, oh, well, I'm kind of the the junior beat cop in this in this force. But now because of this, this, this incident, the players are kind of really the society's last hope. This is like, oh, we need you guys to finish your training and get out there and start doing missions. Cause if you don't, we're going to run out of all our social credit and all our money. So. Yeah, that's a, that's a great hook. And like you said, uh, it's such a different scenario for a player to say, okay, I'm really being counted on. I'm not, uh, I'm not seven tiers down. And if I succeed or fail, it doesn't matter. I think that's a, because you know, at the end of the day, all of us as players, we want to be heroes. We want to be, you know, part of the group that, that, makes a difference so i think that's a that's a really cool hook exactly and we're really excited that at gen con we're going to kick that off in, in a lot of different ways um we're starting off with our, our quest pack which is obviously more of an introductory thing that's going to sort of showcase what being a starfinder is all about we've got our uh, that's quest pack quest pack one uh written by ron lundin into the unknown and that's just a, a package of five 45 minute to an hour long quests where you can run them at your local game store. You can run them as one big event. That's about the same length as a scenario. 
lots of different ways to, to work that. Uh, and then that kind of goes in, and th that's going to be running right at the start of Gen Con. And on Thursday night, so the first night of Gen Con, we'll be running our special, which isn't an interactive special. Uh, it's it's more of a pre-generated character special. And we didn't think it would be a good idea for us to start off with an interactive special just because players are going to be trying to figure out the rules. They haven't had time to really build characters that they're attached to. Some people might not have the rule book yet because they plan on getting it the second day. You know, all sorts of reasons. So sure. the, the special that we're running at Gen Con is a pre-gen special that's kind of a prequel uh, to the, the official start of our season. And it kind of takes place right in the aftermath of that Scoured Stars incident and talks about how this, some, some of the actions the Starfinder Society took to keep itself relevant before this new generation of Starfinders was fully trained. Uh, and then that leads into our uh, first three scenarios, 0, 1, 0, 2, and 0, 3. Uh, the first one being uh, 0, 1, 1, which is the commencement, which is written by Eleanor Farron. And for people who are like big Pathfinder Society buffs, it's got a lot of uh, similarities to an older scenario a lot of people loved called First Steps, which introduces some of our factions. Okay, awesome. And uh, then that goes into our two more standard scenarios, uh, 0-0-2, Fugitive on the Red Planet, which takes place on Akaton, which is sort of our Mars equivalent in um, in the Pact world, and has has a very big Western theme to it. Uh. I, I won't even try to hide it. There's, there's a barroom saloon that man players <laughs> are probably going to fight in. Uh, and, and that's looking like it's shaping up to be really good. I finished development on that a week or two ago, and we're just we're getting all the art back and finished now. And that looks like it's going to be great. Uh, and that's written by Jim Groves. And then our um, oh, I should also mention our uh, I forgot to say uh, our special, our pregen special is zero one zero zero claim to salvation. That's written by Larry Wilhelm. I just finished developing the text for that this morning, uh, <laughs> and that's going to be a fantastic uh, event, I think. Uh, and that brings us to our last scenario for Gen Con, which is 01-03, uh, Yesteryear's Truth, which is, I want to say, the first of our scenarios that kind of takes off some of the kitty gloves. You're, you're not, you're not, you know... This isn't an introductory mission. This isn't a, you know, you're in the safety of the packed worlds. This is a, you're going out to a previously unexplored alien planet and you're going to meet some aliens. Very cool. So, so as you're putting those all together and knowing, um, you know, that not everybody can go to Gen Con, how are you all going to make uh, those kinds of things available for people that may want to, to try them out and, uh, if, if they're new to this idea of organized play and uh, obviously new to Starfinder Society, what's the best way to kind of get connected and uh, maybe gain access to some of these if they're game master? For sure, for sure. Uh, well, to, to answer the first part of your question, those people who aren't going to go to Gen Con, uh, one thing that we're doing with all of our Gen Con releases, uh, so all five of those scenarios I just kind of rattled on about, those are all going to uh, be available as of Thursday when Gen Con starts. Oh, that's so, awesome. So if you have access to, you know, the, the Starfinder rules, which will also be available at, as soon as Gen Con launches, uh, 
if you have access to those rules Thursday night, if your GM gets prepped and is confident, <laughs> you can run any of those That's uh, awesome. at, your, at your home uh, or at your local game store, which is kind of where a lot of our play takes place. Uh, now, as far as getting into to the organized play campaign, there, there's a few different ways of doing it. Uh, I, I would direct the listeners to go to um, paizo.com. Uh, right now, there's a section for Pathfinder Society. Uh, we're going to be obviously updating that a little bit come uh, come Gen Con and closer to the release uh, to include more Starfinder Society-related info. But I would suggest going there. The big thing is, is uh, we have a core of volunteers called Venture Officers. And really, for players and GMs to get involved at the local level, you just want to get in touch with your Venture Officer. And they're going to be able to help you out and, you know, if you're running at a store that doesn't see org play happening, they're going to be the people who can get you in touch with uh, people in that store who might be doing it or help you get set up if you're just looking to start running org play in the store. Uh, and, and again, that's all kind of currently nested in the Pathfinder Society section of the website, but that's going to change. Uh, and then if you're, if you're a store... Uh, what you'll want to do is register on Pizer.com as well. And that way you can kind of post your schedules up there and, and let people come and see. Yeah. If you're, if you've got a store and are trying to, to grow, you know, people coming through, this is a great way and time to jump in. I mean, to think about the excitement level for this game, if, if I had a store, I would definitely be thinking about how to capitalize on it. And the obvious easiest way would be to get some Starfinder society things on your, on your calendar. Oh, yeah. And if Gen Con sales are any indication, uh, it's going to be very popular even at local levels, I think. Yeah. So talk about that. I know as soon as you guys sort of put the games that were happening at Gen Con out there, um, I, I think it's safe to say uh, you were a little overwhelmed by how quickly they sold out and how many slots got taken so quickly. I... Um, <laughs> I was at PaizoCon, and uh, the Gen Con slots went up Sunday Sunday afternoon-ish, I believe is when they when they opened up. And I maybe, you know, partied a little hard on Saturday night with some friends, had a few drinks, maybe slept in a little bit Sunday morning. Sure. And I, I knew something was up when people kept coming up to me and saying, how about those Gen Con sales? No pressure, Thirsty. And I'm like, what? What are you? What are you? What, what's going on? And when finally I met up with Tanya that morning, and she's like, Oh yeah, we sold out in something like ten minutes of every ticket available. Uh, then for the rest of the weekend, it was more people coming up to me saying, Oh, no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it was quite a, an eye opener, especially at that point, because as a PaizoCon, I mean, some of the scenarios were, were still with the freelancers. So I'm sitting there like, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, now uh, now a little bit more pressure to make sure at, uh, at launch you, uh, you guys are doing excellent work. Oh, and, and I'm just so excited that the, the fans have really jumped on this. And as I mentioned, the, the Venture Corps volunteers, they, I've been getting a lot of messages from them. Um, 
I'm actually, after Gen Con, I'm scheduled to go to two events, one locally here in Winnipeg uh, to do Starfinder stuff, and then I'm going to the Twin Cities for SkullCon, which is a fantastic convention. It takes place, I want to say, mid-September. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm going out for that. I went last year, but this year I'm going to be running a bunch of Starfinder there, and they were really, really, really... Uh, Wanting me to come up uh, to to run Starfinder. Yeah, I I, I mean you guys obviously know the, the buzz has been really uh, fantastic around the excitement for the game. Um, every online group that I've sort of stuck my head into and been a part of uh, enthusiasm really really high, and a lot of that is you guys have done a great job in slowly and steadily publicizing the game and parts of it so that uh, people excitement and anticipation is just building. So. I think it's a at launch is going to have a, a pretty pretty awesome audience. Oh, that 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 is that is the hope, and uh, from everything I'm seeing, that looks like it will be the absolute reality. Yeah, so it's um it's a it's a great way to to think about it. So again, Paizo.com, you can go there and look for um right now Pathfinder Society information. They'll be adding Starfinder Society information. Uh, it's a great way to find a game if you're looking for a game. Um, and connect with other people that are going to be wanting to play Starfinder. So I think it's a an excellent opportunity. And it sounds like these first adventures that you guys have um, are going to be some uh, excellent uh, excellent launch stories as uh, as everybody's sort of learning the rules and making characters and doing that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird because now now that I've sort of finished the Gen Con launches, I'm I'm already looking ahead to the the next batch. We're sort of planned out and have have authors and everything lined up uh through to january already and i i'm really excited for some of those stories as well just because as we get past gen con and past the launch we're really going to tackle a lot of some some science fantasy sci-fi tropes but also we're going to be throwing in some things that people who are maybe more pathfinder players are going to be kind of look at and go, oh, well, I really like XYZ thing in Pathfinder, and now they're doing that in Starfinder. I should see how it's different. And that's going to be really cool to, to play around with, too. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's one of the things that that I'm looking forward to Starfinder is that there's so many different directions and kind of uh, styles of stories you could you could do and tell, you know, from from your Star Wars to your Star Treks to aliens to you know there's so many different kind of genres that mix well and play in this system you know that the potential is it's just really huge if you're interested in telling stories so i think it's going to be a i i know everybody on our our site and now all of us are anxiously awaiting the uh, 17th when we can get our hands on stuff and uh start uh start getting ready to uh to to start our games for sure for sure well, thanks for being here. One of the things we always do as we kind of close is um, obviously if you're uh, working on this kind of thing, you uh, you love many things that are nerdy. So what is uh, what's something you're nerding out on right now that uh, that obviously isn't Starfinder that you would maybe want to share with uh, or encourage all of us to check out? Okay, I'm going to give you a cheater's answer and then I'm going to give you a real answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, for, for my cheater's answer, I am really excited about the uh, the adventure path that got announced at PaizoCon, uh, War for the Crown for Pathfinder. Okay. Uh, 
And the reason I, I might be excited about that is that I'm writing the first volume for that. Oh, very uh, cool. And that's being developed by Crystal Frazier. And I'm very excited. It's going to be a, a political pathfinder, uh, Game of Thrones meets James Bond. Uh, nice. De determining the political future of, of one of pathfinders you know oldest and most powerful nations and Very i'm cool. i'm in the process of finishing up my turnover for that so it's kind of on my mind right now that's why i say it's a bit of a cheater answer too because <laughs> it's not starfinder but uh um, no, hey yeah so when will that uh when will that be out what's the uh the the date that'll be shipping oh uh so my adventure adventure or adventure path 127 Crownfall that gets released right now. It looks like the it's expected to release in February 2018. So it's so it's a bit off, but yeah, no, uh, but I definitely if you're working on it right now and excited about it, I can understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then as for my 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 non Paizo answer, I'm actually really excited. Um, I mentioned earlier I'm a big like Warhammer 40,000 yeah nerd, and they just came out with a new edition, and I have been building and not painting a new army because I've been working so much on Starfinder. <laughs> but uh, with sort of the Gen Con crunch starting to slow down, uh, I'm looking forward to playing some 40K in a new edition and building up and painting a new army. So that's kind of my, my big nerd thing right now. Yeah, that's awesome. So and a throwback to something, you, you know, you mentioned it's all the way back to your beginning, you know, your roots is, oh, yeah. is playing that. So. That new edition being out, I know a lot of people are really excited about it. Oh yeah, I've I've gotten in two games so far, and it's just been it's been a blast. So, well, very cool. Well, Thurston, thanks so much for uh, joining us here on the drift and, and sharing with us uh, all about Starfinder Society and um, the direction season one's going to go and opportunities people are going to have to to jump in and play right at the launch of of the game in August. I, I know everybody's really excited and uh, grateful for for all your hard work and. Uh, preparing and getting it ready for uh for being in everybody's hands at launch absolutely thank you for having me and yeah if anyone uh, out there is interested in uh, organized play starfinder society pathfinder society i really suggest you, you give it a shot uh i've met some of the best friends in my life just from doing that awesome thanks so much thank you You've been listening to The Drift, a Starfinder podcast presented by Nerds on Earth. Our theme music is a product of our amazing audio engineer, Andrew Danielson. You can learn more about his work at danielsonsound.com. Thanks again to our guest, Thurston Hillman, who you can find on Twitter at OnCallGM. And check out the Starfinder Society to be involved in organized play near you. Next time on The Drift, it will be Starfinder Eve.